We'll turn it in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 16. We're continuing our study of the book of Revelation. For those who maybe hadn't been here before, we're actually going verse by verse, passage by passage through the book of Revelation. And it's an amazing book. John, the guy who wrote, the man who wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, also wrote the book of Revelation. He was on an island in Patmos, uh, separated out there because he had stood for Jesus Christ. And while he was there, God gave the revelation to him, this revelation of the end times and basically the time of the tribulation. And so that's what we're seeing the book of uh, the book of Revelation actually focuses on the time period known as the tribulation. The first three or four chapters are dealing with things, and then chapters four and five. But then, beginning in chapter six of the book of Revelation, all the way through chapter nineteen, it is that tribulation time period. Let me just remind you of how the things work. This is, the, of course, the Old Testament. Here's Jesus dying on the cross, paying for sin, arising again. We're in the church age. That's us now. Anytime Jesus Christ could come in the clouds, it's called the rapture, take us off the. Face of the earth and we'll be with him. After we're gone off the face of the earth, there's going to be a ten king federation form. Out of that, well, one man will come to power. We call him the Antichrist. In the book of Revelation, he's called the beast. He makes a peace pact with the nation of Israel for seven years. That's why it's called the tribulation. It's the seven years and it's the worst time on the face of the earth. God brings judgment on the, the earth. The nation of Israel believes in Jesus Christ for eternal life. It's just a great thing there. Then Jesus comes we call it the second coming. He comes to the earth and sets up a kingdom and rules for a thousand years. And then there's things later on. But this is the time period that's in the book of Revelation that we call the tribulation time period. The tribulation time period is divided into two parts. This is the seven years. The first three and a half years is called the tribulation. The second three and a half years is called the great tribulation. At the beginning, there's a peace pact made. It starts this way. It starts with peace. Then there's war. Then there's famine. And then there's death. And then halfway through the Antichrist claims to be God, puts his idol up in the temple. It's called the abomination of desolation. It's found in Daniel, also Matthew 24. And then you get the last half of the tribulation, which is where you see all kind of judgments, all kind of things going on. So it's just a, a, a terrible thing. And then Jesus Christ comes at the end. So that's sort of what we've been looking at. If you haven't been able to be here, this is where we're th- seeing it. The book has a number of judgments in it. There's what they call seven seal judgments. That was back in chapter Chapter 6 of Revelation, which takes you through the whole tribulation. Then there's the seven trumpet judgments, which basically take you to the last half of the tribulation. And this morning, we're going to see the seven bowl judgments, which take you all the way to the end of the tribulation. And we'll see some of that. Now, there's, you know, the book of Revelation is not always in chronological order, so we've been seeing all kind of different things. And so when we get through at chapter 16, it's really the end, but then he spends chapter 17 and 18 talking about the city of Babylon. And then when he gets to chapter chapter 19, Jesus Christ comes as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So we'll see all that. Uh, sometimes you may have heard somebody, like a family where a little, somebody gets in trouble during the day and the mama says, listen, when your daddy gets home, you're really going to get it. You know, there's going to be judgment when daddy comes. And sometimes people think about the tribulation of the Bible in that way. There are some people who don't realize that there's going to come a time when Jesus Christ will judge this world. Uh, and uh, some people say, oh, you know, they'll, the book of First Peter or Second Peter talks about how people will say, where is, the, where is this coming? Uh, everything's the same as it's always been. But no, Jesus Christ is going to come. First, he's going to come get us, and then he's going to come at the end of the tribulation. We're seeing the seven seals, which is the overview of the judgment and the entire tribulation. That was back in chapter 6. We've seen the seven trumpets, which deals with the last three and a half years, and now we're in the seven bowls, which will take us all the way to the end. 
The bowls are filled with the wrath of God. That's what this passage is about. I want you to turn, uh, you're in chapter 16, I want you to flip back to chapter 15, verse 5. This gives us the running start of what's about to happen in chapter 16. Revelation chapter 15, verse 5 says, After these things I, this is John talking, I looked and the temple of the tabernacle, the testimony was open. And the seven angels who had the seven plagues came out of the temple clothed in linen, clean and bright, girded about their chest with a golden sash. So he sees these seven angels. Then one of the four living creatures, there are four creatures around the throne of God in heaven, one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. This is the wrath of God. And then it says, and the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. Well, we're about to see them. We're going to see six of the seven. Basically, this morning, we'll see the seventh one next week. We're going to see how that ties together. So look at Revelation chapter 16. Look at verse 1. Verse 1, look what it says. Then I heard a loud voice. Now, this is John. John says, I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. Now, John hears this voice from the temple. We've said this many times, but I want to remind you. The temple built on the earth, the design of the temple, was designed after the temple that is in heaven. If we could go to heaven right now and look, there is a temple there, there is a throne, there is an altar, and the temple that's in heaven, the one on the earth was copied after that one. So there is one there. And so John hears a loud voice coming out of the temple saying to those seven angels, it must be God, it could be God speaking, he says, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. And so, as I said, there's a, there's a temple in heaven and he tells them to go pour out the wrath, the bowls. And, and so um, we're going to see what happens. The seven angels, that's what they're supposed to do. Well, look at it. We're going to see it. And we're going to go quickly through this. Let's just see it. Look at verse 2. Here's the first angel. And it says, And so the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth. And it became a loathsome and malignant sore on the people who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Well, the first thing that happens is like a cancer. It goes on people. When he pours this wrath out, suddenly the unbelievers, now these are unbelievers, they start getting these cancers. They get these places on their bodies, these sores, these malignant sores, and they, these are the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. I want you to remember that the mark of the beast, when, when the Antichrist rises to power, he claims to be God, and he says, you can only buy or sell anything if you have my mark. If you follow after me, the mark is uh, either his name or a number, and the number is 666. Believers will not follow him. The unbelievers will. The unbelievers, we know that during the tribulation, unbelievers will follow the beast. They take the mark of the beast. The believers do not. We find out that this cancerous sore, the stuff that's coming, is coming on to the unbelievers, those who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. Well, let's go quickly. Look at number two. The second angel pours out his bowl. Verse three. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like blood, like bl- became blood, like that of a dead man. Every living thing in the sea died. So he pours it out into the sea, and the sea became blood. And this verse actually looks like picture of a dead person wallowing in his own blood. You remember back early in the early part of the tribulation, a third of the sea was damaged, and a third of the creatures in the sea died. 
This says every living creature in the sea dies. Can you imagine them all dying and floating to the surface and it's all blood and and it's just a a horrible time and it's rotting creatures in the blood. So he says, the second angel poured out his bowl into the sea and it became plain blood like that of a dead man. Every living thing in the sea died. Now here comes the third angel. What's he going to do? And the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of waters, and they became blood. Now, this is a little bit different because if the seas become blood, that most people don't drink, you don't drink the water of the sea, but you drink the water from the rivers and from the lakes and from the, the waters that, that are there. It says, and the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of waters, and they became blood. That means into the fresh water. And suddenly, what, what are people going to drink? They're not going to be able to drink anything. Because it's all blood. It's all become blood. This is toward the end. This is, this is, this is it. This is the big thing. And then look, this, uh, the, you hear uh, something in verse, uh, four, the third angel in verse 4 and 5. The third angel poured out his bowl. And then notice verse 5. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, Righteous are you who are and who were, O holy one, because you have judged these things. Well, there's the angel of the waters. Let me, we're doing a study on Wednesday nights in SBI and it's angels and demons and we're looking at all kinds of things and we realize from the book of Revelation and from that study, there are millions of, of angels. There are good angels and bad angels. There are millions of angels everywhere and, and you just don't know about them. And then this one is called the angel of the waters. Uh, only in the book of Revelation have I ever heard that when I look through the other parts of scripture I've not seen this but this apparently is an angel that oversees or controls aspects of waters and so the angel of the waters says righteous are you and he's talking to God righteous are you you who are and who were you died and rose again oh holy one he's talking about Jesus the holy one because you judged these things I want you to understand something God will right all wrongs There's a difference between payment for sin and consequences of sin. Jesus has died on the cross and paid for the sins of the entire world. So that's not the issue. But there are consequences. And sometimes their consequences go on. And because what these people have done, there are consequences. And notice what he says. Righteous are you, and God is righteous, who are and who were, O Holy One. God is the Holy One. He is the special one. He is separated from everything. He is the perfect God. Because you judged these things. And now he's going to tell why God judged these people. Why? For they poured out, verse 6, they poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. He says, they poured out the blood. They killed believers. These unbelievers poured out the bloods of the saints and the prophets. They killed believers. Listen, during the tribulation time period, there are going to be a lot of people believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, and they're going to be hunted down and killed for their faith. When that Antichrist comes to power and claims to be God, puts his idol up in the temple, they're going after, first of all, they're going after the Jewish people. They're going to try to kill every Jewish person they can. We already know from the scripture the 144,000 Jews believe at the start of the tribulation. Many, many more believe during the tribulation. So the Antichrist is going after them. He's going after any believer. They're going to be killed. And it says, they poured out the blood of the saints, the believers, and the prophets. And you, God, have given them blood to drink. Remember, he's changed the the sea to blood and the waters to blood. You've given them blood to drink. They 
deserve it. I put that these persecuted the believers under the direction of the Antichrist, went after and killed the saints. He says, you killed, you're gonna, you will be killed. God will get them. God is going to deal with them. There's a great truth. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. What a man sows, that shall he also reap. Galatians 6, 7. These people killed innocent people, running for their lives, and they will be killed when the judgment comes. Well, there's more. And then it says, I heard, this is verse 7, I heard the altar saying, yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So he hears from the altar a voice. It's probably the Father speaking. Or it could be an angel saying, the voice saying, that the, uh, you, yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. He's saying that whatever you're doing is right, God, because you always do. If you remember back in Revelation chapter 6, John looked and he saw all these people around the throne of God. I mean, just thousands and thousands of them. And he asked them, who are these people? And they said, those are the people that were killed in the tribulation for their faith. And they're crying out to God. And you know what they were crying? When are you going to judge those people? Here it is. This is when he judges them. Right here. And so we're going to see the fourth angel. Here we go. And what does the fourth angel do? The fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with fierce heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who had the power over these places. They did not repent, that means change their mind, as to give him glory. The fourth angel pours out the, basically upon the sun and made it so hot that it's scorching people. They can't stand it. And what do they do? They blaspheme the name of God. They say bad things about God. This passage it says they do not repent as to give him glory. Listen, I want you to understand. This is not salvation message. It's not saying they're turning to God to believe. It says they're not even looking at God and saying, don't, please don't bring this on me. I, I, please don't bring this on me. Salvation is not repenting of evil deeds. Salvation is believing in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Just understand this. This is judgment on unbelievers. And so it says men were scorched with fierce seed and they, they blasphemed the name of God. They called God terrible names. God who has the power of these plagues. And so he's saying they, they, they rejected. And so when we look at this, there's two responses sometimes when bad things happen. Sometimes people turn to God and believe in him and trust him. And sometimes people re continue to reject him. In this passage, they're rejecting him and they continue to reject him. They continue to move away from him. They do not even recognize who he is. We've already seen three or four times in the book of Revelation when the judgment comes, instead of people even saying, oh, there is a God and he's true and he's right, they call him bad names and want to hide from him. That's what we see in the book of Revelation. It's really powerful. Here's the fifth angel. Look what happened. <clears throat> Verse 10, and the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and the kingdom became darkened and they gnawed their tongues because of pain. And they, what they do? They blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. And guess what? They didn't change their mind about their wickedness as well. And so he says, he brought out his angel, uh, brought out his darkness on the throne of the beast. Let me explain something to you. At the time of the tribulation, Babylon will be the greatest city in the world. 
Babylon, which is near Baghdad, Iraq today, will be rebuilt during the tribulation. The Antichrist will have his throne, his kingdom in Babylon. Babylon goes all the way back to the time after Noah and they all came together and they were going to build a tower to reach to heaven so they, didn't, they, could, they could be God themselves and then God scattered their language and it was called the Tower of Babel. That's the same place the city of Babylon will be rebuilt. His economic and world headquarters is in Babylon. His religious headquarters is in Jerusalem with the false prophet. The false prophet puts an idol of the Antichrist in the temple in Jerusalem and demands everyone to worship the idol and worship the beast. So you have an economic capital, Babylon. You have a religious place, Jerusalem, where the temple is. That's what's going on in the tribulation. And so it says that this fifth angel put out his bowl on the throne of the beast and it became darkened. What does that mean? Well, some it's the great city Babylon. Some say that just, just darkness came upon the earth. Some people say it just showed his power is limited. Others say it's symbolic, showing the evil nature of the kingdom. I actually think it means that he just darkened everything. He just Because you remember back at the time of Moses when God said there wouldn't be any light and it was so dark that the unbelieving Egyptians said that the, it was so dark it felt like you could touch the darkness. You couldn't see anything. And I think that's what he does to the city of Babylon. We're going to see a lot more in chapter 17 and chapter 18 about this city, okay? So the fifth angel poured out the, the, where the beast rules and there's darkness there, and now the sixth one, the sixth angel. Now watch this. And the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the Euphrates River, and its water was dried up so that the way would be prepared for the kings from the east. Wow. Now, the Euphrates River, as you know, is in Iraq. Uh, it actually starts up around the Babylonian Babylon area and goes all the way down. It's called the Fertile Crescent. It's there. You may not realize that when God gave the land of Israel to the Jewish people in Genesis chapter 15, he describes the boundaries of the land of Israel. Do you know where it is? It starts on the river Nile on one side and goes all the way to the Euphrates River on the other side, that is all the land the nation of Israel will have in the kingdom. The Euphrates River is dried up. Why? Because it's ready, if you notice, it says, to prepare the kings from the east. I want you to understand that a giant battle is coming. In the book of Revelation, right at the end, all the kingdoms of the world... The evil kingdoms of the world who do not believe in Jesus, they're coming to Jerusalem. They're going to come in a valley, and they're going to try to come to Jerusalem to destroy Jerusalem. And when that happens, Jesus Christ comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're about to see it. Look what this says. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the Euphrates. Its water was dried up so that the way would be prepared for the kings of the east. We're, we're not sure who the kings of the east are. Maybe China, maybe someone else. Things are shaping up for the final battle of the world. A man named Alford, who's a New Testament scholar, says this. The armies of the world coming together. He says, the kings of the earth are gathered together for the great battle against God. Things are now made ready for the kings of the east to come. Everybody is coming together to attack Jerusalem, and they're actually coming against God. Now, look at verse 13. I'm going to have to go quickly, but I want you to see this. And so I saw, I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast. Now, the dragon is Satan. The mouth of the beast is the Antichrist. And out of the mouth of the false prophet, there he is, three unclean spirits like frogs. 
Can you imagine they're Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet? They open their mouth and something like frogs come out of their mouths. Now look what it says. For they are spirits of demons, verse 14, performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to do what? To gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. The battle is coming. The battle is coming. Demons are involved. They come out of the unholy trinity. The devil, devil, dragon is the devil, the beast of the Antichrist. Then there's the false prophet. And it comes out to gather the nations together. By the way, there are two kind of angels, good angels, bad angels. They're the bad angels here. And the demons will bring the armies of the world together to battle against Jerusalem. That's what's going to happen. Now, I'm not going to take the time just because of time, but in, the demons are gathering the kings of the world together in the great, that's called the great day. If you just write that down, go to Zechariah 14, 1 through 4, it actually says that God is allowing the armies of the world to come to attack Jerusalem, and he's coming back, and when he comes back, he's coming back in Zechariah 14, he's coming back to the Mount of Olives, and he's going to come stand on the Mount of Olives. You know where Jesus left from? He left from the Mount of Olives. He's coming back to the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is right outside Jerusalem. He's coming as the King of Kings. Uh, uh, Revelation 19, uh, I'm going to read this to you. If you, you can flip over there if you want to, but let me read this to you. This is Jesus coming, Revelation 19:11. Just listen. I saw heaven opened and a white horse. And he who sat on it is faithful and true, and he judges in righteousness and wages war. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His name is the Word of God. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then it says this, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies were assembled together to make war against him who sat on the horse. This is the final battle. You've all heard of it. In fact, if I said to you, what's the name of the battle? You would all say it is the battle of what? Armageddon. That's what you would say. Well, uh, verse 15 basically says, and I'm just going to quickly look at it. Verse 15 tells believers to be ready. Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes. He'll not walk around naked. See, many people see his shame. He's telling believers that he's coming and he's coming as a thief in the night, and he's saying to the believers, be ready, I'm coming. See, the believers are looking for the return of Jesus. It's called the second coming as he comes to the earth. He says, be ready. Now, I want you to understand something. In the tribulation, believers are looking for the return of Christ. What about us? Right now, we're looking for the rapture. That's where Jesus comes in the clouds. He can get us, take us out of here any second. I want you to understand something. Every one of us in this room, if you have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, you have eternal life and you're saved and saved forever. If Jesus came this exact moment, every one of us who believe in Christ for eternal life will be immediately gone and a twinkling in an eye will be taken off the face of the earth. That's what we see, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the blessed hope. The people in the tribulation are looking for the second coming of Jesus Christ as he comes to the earth as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's powerful, powerful. Let me just show you this. This is the rapture. This is what's next. We're right here, y'all. Jesus could come any second and we'll be gone. This is what they're waiting for in the tribulation. Jesus comes this way. He comes for us in the clouds. He comes to them, to the earth. That's what they're waiting for. Here's the final thing, and I'm going to show it to you quickly. Look at verse 16. And they gathered them together. This is the armies of the world to a place which is in Hebrew called Har-Mageddon. Har-Mageddon. The armies of the world come together 
Har means mountain in Hebrew. Megiddo is actually a valley. It doesn't mean valley. It is a valley. Har Megiddo, Armageddon, Armageddon. We get Armageddon from it. This is when people all say the battle of Armageddon. They're actually saying a place. Har Megiddo, the mountain of Megiddo. It's by a plain. It's where the final battle will be fought. And so they gathered them together to the place, which is in Hebrew called Armageddon. If you notice verse 17... It says, then the seventh angel poured out his bowl. That's what we'll see next time. Let me quickly give you some applications. What happens when this, this, well, see this, but let me raise this question. What happens when this battle takes place and God comes to judge the world? We'll see it beginning in chapter, uh, the last part of 16, 17 and 18 deals with Babylon, and then 19, Jesus is coming. Now, we're, we're, we started the book of Revelation pretty long time ago, as you can tell, and we're going through it, we're going through it as really pretty fast, and we're looking forward to the time Jesus comes and sets up that kingdom and rules and righteousness and justice. Let me give you some applications. First of all, let's realize there are two responses to God. There really are to accept him, to believe in him for eternal life, or to reject him. I mean, that's what happens. You may go out and you may talk to somebody and you may tell them how they can have eternal life, how Jesus died and rose again for them. If they believe in Christ, he gives them the gift of eternal life. And some people will believe. And guess what? Some people won't. When Paul spoke, Acts chapter 28, he had a whole group of people there. He gave the gospel clear about salvation by faith alone in Christ. He said, and some believed and some did not. And that happens. And when you share your faith, you'll see that happen. Be faithful to share, but just realize some people believe and some people won't. And you see in the book of, of Revelation, there's a whole group of people that will never believe. They're not going to believe. And then there's the believers who are running for their lives. The second thing is let's, let us remember that God will judge. He's faithful to judge. Just like he's faithful to do anything, he's going to faithful, he's faithful to judge. Realize that people do not get away with sin. Uh, this is not payment for sin. This is a consequences of sin. And Jesus Christ has done it all. He's made it all possible that a person can have eternal life simply by faith. The third thing is this. Let's be faithful now looking for the return of Jesus Christ. Think about it. For us, we're looking. It's called the rapture. We're looking for Jesus to come in the clouds. He could come at any second. By the way, we call it looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's not coming to the earth. He's coming to the clouds. In a moment, in a twinkle of an eye, we'll be gone. For the others, there, the, especially in the tribulation, in the passage in the book of Revelation, the believers are looking for the return of Jesus as the king because he's going to come and set up the kingdom. We're coming with him, and we all go into the thousand-year reign of Christ. I want to say this one more time, that when people read the book of Revelation and study it, sometimes they get scared. They look at things, and they say all these judgments, and they go, oh, my gracious, this is horrible. The truth is this. You, if you have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, and that means you've trusted in him and he's going to give you eternal life, uh, he gives you eternal life, the moment you believe you've trusted that, the, the, there's a rapture coming and we'll be gone. You will not have a part of any of this. You won't be a part of the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments, anything. You will be with Jesus Christ. And, and if you die... To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. If you're alive when Jesus comes, you'll be changed in a twinkle of an eye. We'll spend eternity with Jesus Christ, and he'll come back.